Glory to God. How's everybody today? It's a good day. Amen? I mean, it is an excellent day. That was a great analogy about the storm and all those kind of things. You know, never, never be moved by storms because the Bible says storms will come. Stuff happens, right? But never be moved by those storms because sunshine is coming, right? The sun is shining. Jesus Christ, the sun, will shine in the midst of every storm. That's right. So the Bible says storms come. And, and there's, a, there's a parable in, that Jesus gave, I think it's in um, Matthew 7. And he talked about the different grounds that you build your life on. And, and it said, you know, the storms beat against both of those grounds, but one, it crumbled, and the other stood the test. Why? Because the foundation was strong. And in our lives... What matters is not how many storms come against you, but what you do with the storms. How you continue to build on the truth of God's Word and let the Word be truth no matter what else happens. You know, one of the questions I've been asked many times through the years is, it's a a one-word question, and and it's the word, why? Why did this happen? Or why? Why did that happen, or why this situation, or whatever? And the, the why is a question, and the answer is, God will give you the answer to the things that you have whys about if you keep seeking Him. The Bible says that to ask and keep on asking, and you will, be, you will be answered. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find what it is that you're looking for, right? So as we continue to live our life that way, and we continue to develop that relationship with God, the answers come. I don't care what they are. I don't care what happens in life. I'm telling you, there is an answer, and He will give it if you seek Him. See, the answers come out of relationship, not just out of a book somebody wrote, right? Or just information that someone gave you we're here to help people we're here to help each other we're here to take information and exhaust ourselves you know with 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 information and learn and those kind of things but ultimately all the information is to help us develop a relationship with God so we can hear his voice and know the answers for ourselves. because the answer for one person may be different for another person in the moment and and that's why we need to be able to hear from God Amen? So just remember that day to day, situation to situation, just that example that was given today about the storm. I kept thinking about that. Storms come. The Bible tells us. You know, if the Bible said you get born again and no more storms, then we're not believing for storms, right? Well, I'm not believing for storms, but storms come. Stuff happens in life. But with every situation that happens, God is the answer. There's a way through it. There's an answer to everything. Amen? Can you say amen to that? Glory to God. Well, this morning, how uh, many enjoyed uh, Pastor Steve Kelly Sunday? Amen? What a, what a really super good word he brought. And uh, the, the week before, we started our series leading up to, to uh, Easter entitled, Love's Triumph. 
God is love, the Bible says. 1 John 4 says that God is love. He, he, God, God, God doesn't love, He is love. Yes, He loves, but He is the love. So anytime in Scripture you see love or God, you can, you can, uh, you, you can exchange those words for each other. God is love. And love, God so loved the world that He gave the best of heaven, and that love triumphed over the condition that mankind was in previous from the sin of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve's disobedience to God caused all of mankind for 4,000 years to be without God. No connection, personal relationship the way God created it to be. I mean, you you stop and think about it. For 4,000 years, God had a plan for us. I'm telling you, He is passionately in love with us. I mean, passionately. I I mean, to, you know, because a lot of times when people make mistakes, other people want to write those people off. You know, God had every right to write us off. Well, let's just forget about mankind and and this creation that we created and let's start over. But, But, you know, I was thinking about that one day, and I I started thinking, we were created, Adam and Eve were created in his image. So for him to destroy Adam and Eve is to destroy a part of himself. He, He didn't want that. He believed in the creation. You know, today, he believes in you and I. God believes in us. You know what he believes in? He believes that we can believe in him in spite of other things happening. That's what he believes. He believes that you're going to trust him and believe in him and overcome every obstacle in life because of the way that he's empowered us. And so today, um, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about this. I want to look at a verse we looked at la- the last time I preached on Sunday, 1 Peter 1. Let's look at that just for a moment. 1 Peter 1 and verse 18. <clears throat> knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and your hope are in who? Which is love. So that your faith and your hope, what Jesus Christ did, was so that your and my faith and hope would be in love. That He so loved me that He gave the best. Now, is the Bible, does the Bible empower you and I to do and act and be like God. Yes. God's desire is that we would be like Him. So if He so loved that He gave, what He's developing inside of you and I is that we would so love that we would live our lives to give. Not to protect ourselves, but to give. To be a giver in spite of situations and circumstances in life. That we would live, we would so love people that we would give ourselves, right? So, today, I, I want to I answer a question 
okay, that I, the question, the one word question that I talked about earlier, the why. People know that Jesus died for us. People, people that don't e- are not even believers know that believers believe that Jesus died. I've met people that don't believe that, but they know we believe it. So Jesus died, but the major question is why did he die? He died for our sins, but why? Why? And we mentioned, and, and I'm mentioning this again today, that he died, God had a plan for him to die. He, God had a plan for him to be born and to live so that he would die and be resurrected and ascend upon high and be seated at the right hand of the Father. God had a plan from day one for that. But he had a plan actually before day one, before the foundation of the world, that that would happen, that things would happen and be manifested in that form so that you and I could be liberated and free. That was God's plan for humanity. Amen? So what is that? What, is, what he did for us, what, what, is, what is that? What is it called? And and And... How is that defined for each one of us on a day-to-day basis so that we can understand in a greater way why we need to live our lives in a certain way and do the things that God wants us to do? Not, not do things because we feel obligated to do them, but do them because that's God's plan for us. Amen? There are things that God has called you to do And the way that He wants you and I to live in life, there are things that God wants us to do in the way He wants us to live. And in this life, He wants us to do these things because it's His will for us. And He wants us to understand what He's done for us and the depth of what He's done for us so that we can walk walk things out on a day-to-day basis and do it because it's His will, not just because we feel like we have to do it or God's going to be mad with us. You know, it, 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 it's, it, it's, it's, it's twisted. It's twisted thinking to think that God in any way, shape, or form is mad at you. It's twisted. It's wrong. God is not mad with, at us. He, he, he doesn't look at us. When we make a mistake, God is not looking at your mistake. He's looking at you with these blood-stained eyes of the blood of Jesus. He doesn't see our mistakes. People think that, you know, God is this mean guru looking for you to trip up and make a mistake so that He can, you know take you out, take you out under your legs, I mean, make you feel like you're worthless. All of that is not the nature of God. See, because if you're taught what is right, and you live your life to do what's right, and you want to do right because you know it's His will for your life, and and you're desiring to make right choices, then you're empowered to follow through in life the way we were created to follow through before Adam and Eve sinned. See, there was no sin. There was no disobedience in the earth. There was disobedience in heaven, 
Lucifer, who was the archangel in heaven, disobeyed God and he was kicked out of heaven. But on the earth, where mankind was concerned in God's creation, there was no disobedience. Because there had been disobedience, the only record of disobedience that we have is Lucifer in heaven. That's the only record of disobedience that we have, okay? Because of that disobedience, there was potential for disobedience on the earth, but there had been no disobedience. So to live a life, and all you know is if God said it, you do it. That's the way Adam and Eve were created. That's why God told them, you don't need to know about the tree in the middle of the garden. You don't need to know anything about that. Don't mess with that. You can do and have everything else, just don't mess with that. And what was that tree? It was the knowledge of good and evil. The difference in the two. When all God wanted Adam and Eve to do is to know good. We didn't need to know anything else. Today, even though there is evil in the earth and there's all kinds of evil that bombards our mind, today, through the blood of Jesus, now, all God wants you to do is focus on doing right. And realizing you have the power to make the changes when you're not doing right in His eyes, you can do what's right. And God is merciful. His mercy and His grace are new every morning. And, there, and there's no end to His forgiveness for our lives. And all He's waiting on is for you to believe that He believes in you and for you to believe that the power and the redemption that He has paid for for us is a completed work. So now I can do right every single day. I don't have to do wrong. I've been empowered to do what's right. When I don't do right, I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. I can repent as though it never happened. And actually, before I repent for my wrong actions, in his eyes, it's not there because Jesus already cleansed it. Now, let's look at the word redemption. Why did he die? To redeem us. That's why he died. The definition of redemption is to save. Um, to redeem is to regain possession of something by paying the debt. Regaining possession of something by paying the debt is to redeem. Um, if you... If, you are, if you're buying something, let's say you're buying a house, and you're borrowing the money to buy the house, and they're requiring collateral for the house. Well, that collateral then, whatever, whatever the collateral is, let's say you've got $100,000 cash in a CD, and you've put that up as collateral to buy the house. That collateral now you can't do anything with. You can't get your hands on it. So to get the collateral back, the debt has to be paid, right? So when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, we now belonged to someone else. Satan now is the God of the world, and he controlled the system, and our connection with God was now separated. Where we had been one, created in his image, and we were one with him, now we were separated. What the blood of Jesus did is redeem us and bring us back. Amen? Connected us with him again like it was in the Garden of Eden. 
I think one of the things that's difficult is believing for a lot of people. In, in, in my ministry to people through the years, a lot of my family members that were not born again, that had difficulty coming into the kingdom of God because of their mistakes. It couldn't be that easy. It couldn't be that God would forgive me of things I've done when I still have the temptation to do those things wrong right now. But when you come into the kingdom of God, you get, you, you get, you, you get saved. You repent and you get saved and you get baptized. You get filled with the Holy Ghost and the power of God begins to work on the inside of you. Now is day one. From that day on, you learn how to hear from God and do the things that please Him. See, but we have to get our minds clear of all these ideas and thoughts that try to tell us that God could never love you because of what you've done. That's the enemy lying to people constantly. But actually, the state and situation that you and I are in today is the exact place that Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. That's the place that you and I are in today. That exact place, spiritually. Because if that's not true then what Jesus died for did not pay that debt against mankind. But I say it did. We just actually read it, and we've got a few verses that we'll read. So look at Ephesians 2, and this, this kind of confirms some of the things that I just said. Ephesians 2, and let's just start with verse 4. <clears throat> but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us with, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ, that's, that's before Christ, between Adam and Christ, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Next two words in verse 13. The first two words of, of verse 13. Everybody say it with me. But now. Everybody say, but right now. But, but right now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Someone shout amen to that. We were far off because of Adam and Eve, but now we brought nigh, we brought, we've been brought near. We're right here, one with God, through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Look at verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of what? Of what? Which is? We're members of the household of love. God so loved that he gave the best of heaven for you to be redeemed. No more aliens, no more far off, no more away from God, but now we can be connected with God. We're one with God. That's the way God, God made it. Now, you know what's interesting about God is? In the beginning, when he created everything, and then he created man, he gave man dominion over the earth. And nowhere in the scripture did God ever take that dominion back. Man gave it away. Now get this. But he loved us so much, man gave his dominion to the devil. 
to Lucifer who became Satan. He gave it away, okay? And yet, for 4,000 years, he loved his creation so much that his whole plan was to redeem us back. I mean, you know, if you or I were God, we might say, well, you know what? You got yourself in that mess. You take care of it yourself. Sound familiar? Not God. Not God. That's not love. Verse 19 again. Now, therefore, we are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of that love. The household of God. The household of God so loved that he gave. That's the household that you are created, that you're connected to. I'm going to make a statement at the end of this today to challenge you about the love of God. And, and so get prepared for it because it's a deep challenge. Amen? Everybody say, I'm prepared. Romans 5, Romans 5 and verse 12, and there's a a lot of wording here, but I'm going to read these next uh, seven or eight verses right here, because I want to make one point in verse 17, but but it's, this kind of defines here what we've just been talking about regarding Adam, Adam and Jesus. Verse 12, therefore just as though one man, sin entered the world, that was Adam, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. In other words, when Adam sinned, we all sinned. We all did. Verse 13, for until the law Sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come, him being Jesus. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense, which is Adam, many died and were separated from God, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So we all were separated, but through Jesus Christ, we've all been brought back together. All of humanity. There's not one left out. I don't care what it looks like or appears like that is going on in your life. Do not compare yourself to what's happening in other people's lives. Do not look at someone else and say, well, you know... They're not struggling like, oh, no, 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 that's a lie from the pit of hell. Everybody struggles. Everybody's faced with things that seem like they're going to overtake you because we have a mind. If you didn't have a mind, will, and emotions, you could overcome anything. But because you have a mind that can be attacked by the enemy, the only power that the enemy has today is deception getting you to believe in what you see and feel and taste and touch, your five physical senses, versus what God says. That's the only ability he has. If he can get you to believe in what you see, that that's the final authority, nothing is ever going to change, it's going to be like this forever. If he can get you to believe that, then he has you. But you reject that and you renew your mind and you cast those thoughts down and you begin to declare how great that God is. It renews your mind and what gets built up on the inside happens naturally. You just have to put the word out there. Amen? So, in this verse, 
But the free gift, I'll read it again, is not like the offense, for if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man Jesus Christ abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. See, where the devil beats people up is through condemnation. Well, if you hadn't done that, see, then God would love you and good things would work in your life. That's why nothing ever works good in your life because of it. No, see, that's condemnation. See, that's what came as a result of the first Adam, condemnation. For 4,000 years, men were condemned. Amen? But he said here, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. Everybody say the free gift. What's a free gift? It's free. <laughs> Everybody say it's free. Oh man, it can't be free. Man, I got to do something. I got to tap dancers. What? Something, right? It's free. It's free. So, what's the one thing you have to do for a free gift? Accept it. It's free. Say it's free. His gift is free. See, see, the first one came all this condemnation, but this last one, it's a free thing. It's free. It's free. I, I, I'm free to do anything and everything God says for me to do, and I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. I can, I can, I can, I can, I know I can, like the little caboose, like the little train. I know I can, I know I can, I can make it up this mountain. I know I can, and I can. See, in Christ, we can. It's not just saying it enough makes it happen. It's convincing yourself that what he said you can do, you can do it. That's what matters. Verse 16, uh, verse 17. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, that's Adam, Gosh, I love these words. Woo! A little bit more. Those who receive. Much more. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more. Much more. How, how much is much more? Beyond anything you can even ask or think. Much more. Those who receive. The what? The free gift. Of what? The abundance of his grace and his righteousness. He says you're in right standing with him the day you believed and were baptized. The day that you accepted Jesus in your life was the day that the free gift was yours to receive. Jesus, I repent of my sins. ask you to forgive me for my past. Come and live in my heart. Thank you that you live in me today. Amen. When you did that, in some form or another, when you did that, you received the free gift of right standing with God and the grace and the favor and the empowerment to prosper and to advance in life the likes of the world has never seen. And what we have to do is receive it. But I promise you, in the midst of receiving, you have to deal with every thought. Amen?
He said, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. We are rulers and reigners in Christ when we receive this free gift. Amen? What did he come to do? To redeem us, to pay the debt, to deliver us and set us free so that we can be empowered to do his will in the earth. Amen? How awesome God is. Look at Hebrews 10 and just look at a few verses here that just kind of confirm this. Hebrews 10 and verse 11. This is Old Testament. This is of what happened with the Old Testament. It says, And every priest stands ministering daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away the sins. But this man, Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those, that you and I, who are being sanctified. We're being sanctified and set apart daily. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds, and I will write them. Then he adds, their sins, watch this, and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. I'll remember those lawless deeds no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Let me, just, let me just nail this down. So, in this verse, he said, in that day, our sins, he will remember no more. Our sins and our deeds, he will remember no more. So, every time you miss something, you do something wrong, he doesn't remember that. When the voice comes and says, see, you say you're a Christian and this, you know, look, look, look at you do what you're... Every time that voice comes, that is not God. See, because He doesn't remember our sins or our disobedience. He doesn't remember those things, but those things are brought to light in our life. But He's empowered you and I to be able to overcome those things and get past those things. See, see talking about the power of the grace and the forgiveness and the righteousness of God is not a license for people to just act however they want to. See, it doesn't work that way. It won't work that way. It can't work that way. What you have to see through the grace and the revelation that we're talking about today is the power to do it right. Not, not spending our life and 10 years from now still going around the same mountain dealing with the same kind of thing. Why? Because... Of sin consciousness. See, where there is remission, where there is no remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. The priests used to go and they'd make continual sacrifices, month to month, year to year, year in and year out, over all the thousands of years until Jesus Christ came and it could never deal with the sin consciousness of the people. 
And so what did the scripture say that we just read? They lived in condemnation all the time. Those sacrifices couldn't do anything for their minds. See, but the one man, Jesus Christ, what did he do? What does the word remission mean? Remission is cancellation. When something, when there is remission and it's in operation, it cancels everything out. It deals with everything. And God has dealt with all of it so that you and I could be liberated and free. And he does not ever remember your disobedience. He doesn't remember. That's not what he's focusing on. You know what it's like? It's like this. You make a mistake, and the Holy Ghost is working on you to reveal to you through the word the power to overcome that thing. See, because it's not like the covenant of old where the sacrifices of the animals could do nothing for the mind and the emotion of the people. See, they were battered, they were hammered, they were, they, you know, the enemy told them they're no good and they believed they were no good because there was no connection with God. But Jesus Christ brought the two back to one. And now we can hear his voice do the things that he says and his redemption it draws nigh to us on a day-to-day basis. I'm empowered to overcome and overcome any and every obstacle that I face day-to-day. Can you say amen to that? There's not anything that you and I cannot overcome in the name of Jesus. Amen? Look at Colossians 2, and then I'll end it with a couple of things. Colossians 2. <clears throat> This is what he did in verse 11. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh He has made alive together with Him. He's made you and I alive together with Him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross and disarming principalities, powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. Is that good news or is that good news? Amen? What was against us is not against us anymore. What what was against you and even on a day-to-day basis, what's against you, what appears to be against you, is defeated. But it will continually try to see the advantage that it can gain if you do nothing with the thoughts that try to tell you contrary to the covenant that we're in in Christ Jesus. You're not a loser. You're not a failure. You're forgiven no matter what. You're blessed. You're prosperous. You're the healed in Christ. You're everything that he says. If you will deal with thoughts that try to tell you your present circumstance cannot be changed, everything is subject to change. Right? The word of God that we declare out of our mouth does not return void, but it accomplishes what we've set it out to accomplish. He's given us the power to do that. 
That's where we have to live our lives. His redemption brought about the empowerment in your and my life. Look at John 14. The redemption brought about the empowerment. John 14 and verse 12. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, he said, I'll do it. And if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, he will give you a helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Amen? You will not be left here as orphans. He said, I will be with you through the person of the Holy Spirit. The empowerment on the day of Pentecost for mankind came through the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, anything that we ask in His name, we can receive if we believe it. See, the Bible says, whatever things that you declare and say out of your mouth, if you believe you receive them when you say it, not when you see it. If you believe you receive when you say it, not when you see it, then you'll see it. You'll have everything that you ask. That's the empowerment that was given to us through the love of God. He loved us so much that he gave Jesus. We've been saved. We've been redeemed. We've been liberated. The debt against us was canceled. Now he's empowered us to go and act and do just like Jesus. You know what Jesus was the example of? Everything that he demonstrated in his earthly ministry, all the miracles, all the manifestations in his earthly ministry, those manifestations were heaven. See, all the things that he did were the result of the way it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he was. His, the demonstration of his ministry was on earth as it is in heaven. He's empowered you and I through the redemption now, to have it in our lives and through our lives on earth as it is in heaven. He's empowered you and I to live that way. And the third thing, and I just want you to look at a couple of verses that just that enforce this. Look at Galatians 5. The third thing is that you and I are empowered. We're redeemed, we're empowered, and we are empowered to love. You and I are empowered to love. Why did he come? To redeem us, to empower us, and to get us to understand how vitally important that life is in the love of God. Because God is love. And loving and allowing the expression of love is the expression of God. See, it's not just trying to be nice to somebody. That's not love. Love is doing it in spite of what other people do. That's what's hard. That's where my challenge is coming to you out of of these next couple of verses. Galatians 5 and 14. Five and fourteen. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. So everything, everything in the past, everything before Jesus is fulfilled in one word. Even this. You shall love your neighbor 
as you love yourself. Look at uh, Matthew 22. This is what Jesus said about that. Paul's actually just quoting what Jesus said. Matthew 22. Jesus just gives you a little bit more information here. Jesus said to him, verse 37 of Matthew 22, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first commandment and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Watch verse 40. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, what Paul said to the church at Galatia here, this is the fulfillment of everything that the prophets spoke. The prophets were in operation in the Old Testament because, because they were the voice of God. People were not born again. They, they, they were not one spiritually with God. And so because they weren't, the prophets had to speak to him. Now, in this time, Hebrews 1 says, God doesn't speak to us through the prophets. I mean, they bring confirmation, but now we're led by the Spirit of God inside of us. Each and every one of us sitting here today, everybody can hear the voice of God and do what God says. You see? And, and all the law and the prophets and everything that was spoken beforehand, thank God for it, but it was all fulfilled in these two commandments. You love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, last verse, 1 John 4 and verse 17. Uh, uh, verse 19, I mean. 1 John 4 and verse 19. <clears throat> what are the two commandments? You love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Watch this. Here's John's letter, and he says this, verse 19. Let's everybody look at it. Let's meditate it. Here's my challenge to you today. Commandment from Jesus is that we love God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul. I've tried to figure out what that looks like. And to me, that looks impossible. For me to love God with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul. I can just tell you today, I don't. I have good intentions and I want to, but I don't. But I know I can, but I don't. And I give it a really good shot, but I don't. We love Him with all our heart, mind, and soul because of the revelation that He first loved us. That's how you love God. And you know what? Listen to me. Listen. This thing has gone so deep in my heart about the love of God, I I can't... I mean, I was trying trying to tell my wife something the other day, and I just was weeping over it. I couldn't even talk thinking about it. To, to, To love somebody, to forgive somebody that's done you wrong... Or, or to love somebody even just in spite of their attitude. You know, you, 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 you ever been around somebody? Like maybe the person sitting next to you? No. I'm just, but, but you've been around somebody and, and they do something or they, ha- they say something, you know, and, and you kind of carry that thought back there about them. Yeah, you know, just... And, and, and you find yourself talking to yourself about them, you know, about what you don't like about what they do. And 
a lot of times the problem is that we want people to get their comeuppance. See, they've done wrong, and they deserve to be punished. They deserve for everybody to know what they've done. See, the love of God is this. See, Jesus knew what we all did. Listen to me. I don't know how, but before the foundation of the world, what Jesus went through was already set up. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost had a meeting before the foundation of their world because the Bible tells us they did. And they already had, before the foundation of the world, they had it already set up for his sacrifice and what he went through. So it was already set up that he was going to die for your, the stuff in your life before. So when he went to the cross, he was just fulfilling what Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, or Father, Word, and Holy Ghost had already set up. He was, he was fulfilling that. So he already saw all the mistakes that we made. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're really doing. That's love. And you know what? Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives on the inside of you. And you don't have to carry those thoughts. And you don't have to want people to get theirs because they've done wrong, no matter who they are. I don't care if they're a politician. I don't care if they're a member of ISIS. I don't care if what they've ever done in life. You don't have to have that, that attitude because God said, you leave the judging to me. You leave, you leave all the recompense to things to me. You let me take care of the results in other people's lives. You take care of yourself. And if you'll live your life loving your neighbor the way you love yourself, there's no end to what can happen in your life, what you can do. I'm telling you today, the challenge is this. What stops God from moving in our lives is where we don't walk in love. You say, well, I just didn't have enough faith. No, 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 no. Everybody's been dealt the same measure of faith, and you're developing your faith day to day, and wherever the development of your faith is, sometimes you don't see the results that you're looking for in a situation, but that has nothing to do with God moving on your behalf. What shuts things down in our life where we don't see the results is where we don't walk in love. And the reason that most people don't walk in love is not because they don't love God with all their heart, mind, and soul. It's because they don't love themselves. So you love your neighbor as you love yourself. What you don't like about yourself is what you take out on your neighbor. And who's your neighbor? Everybody but you. My challenge is this. Your greatest days are before you. If you'll take what I'm talking to you about today, I've got, I've got a sequel to this next Sunday. You need to hear this. But if you'll take what I'm telling you today and you learn to practice forgiving and loving people, it'll deliver your life and you'll really be able to love people the way God wants you to love them. And if you're loving people, if you're busy living your life loving people, then you're on the receiving end of everything that God has for you. And whatever you ask in His name, it'll be done because of where Jesus sits at the right hand. He's liberated us. He's made us free. And today, in Christ Jesus, we are free. Amen? Amen? And we are free to do what? To love people because we've been redeemed and empowered to do it.
Love can't just be something I have in my head. It's got to be something that I'm acting out and practicing on a day-to-day basis. Can you say amen? amen? So my challenge for you is to spend time in 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter, and spend time in it, actually for the rest of this year, meditating on what that really looks like for your life. And I'm telling you, God will reveal it to you, and he'll show you things you've never seen before in your life, if you'll do it, if you'll spend time in it. I've been in it for a year now, and it's changing everything about me. Things I didn't need, even thought needed to be changed, but that's what the Word does. And my challenge to you is take 1 Corinthians 13, all of those verses in 1 Corinthians 13, and meditate on what God is really saying to you through those passages of Scripture, and it is, it is and will change you like you've never seen happen in your life. Amen?